Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm honored to welcome a man who has had a lifetime of service and success. Paul R. Lawrence served in the United States Army and graduated from Airborne School. He got his bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and both his master's and doctorate in economics at Virginia Tech. He's been a leader in various roles with Ernst & Young, Accenture, MITRE Corporation, IBM, and PricewaterhouseCooper, as well as Kaiser Associates, which helps executives apply external insights and analysis to make better strategic and operational decisions. Paul Lawrence is also an author. Uh, He's written books about college athletics, organizational success, understanding government operations, and how to succeed in public service appointments. Paul Lawrence was the Undersecretary for Benefits in the Department of Veterans Affairs, and that makes him an absolute expert for the topic of his new book, Veterans Benefits for You. Welcome to Core Principles, Paul. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thanks, Clay. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. It's an honor. Well, there are several things I'd like to talk with you about. Uh, We're going to focus on your book, Veterans Benefits for You, but first I want our listeners to get to know you a little better. Uh, I gave this brief outline uh, in the introduction about your career, but would you share with us a little bit more about your path to be being unanimously confirmed by the United States Senate uh, in April of 2018 to become the Undersecretary for Benefits at the Department of Veterans Affairs. And what were some of the things you learned in your career and in your life that made you the right person for that critical role? Sure. Well, um, you know, I grew up in a military family. My father was a career army officer, so we traveled the world and I saw what service was up front, which led me to join ROTC. But I got out and spent most of my life as a consultant, although I was passionate about veterans issues in the different companies I was in. And so two things sort of happened in uh, 2017. One of us, my friends uh, worked in the Trump administration, invited me to apply for a job at the VA to oversee the benefits programs. And part of what I realized was many of my prior consulting experiences as an economist, and as somebody who learned about processing, and as somebody learned about student loans, really prepared me for some of the things that would go on at the Veterans Benefits Administration. You had to, you know, pass out disability claims. You had to process the GI Bill. You had to deal with the like. So uh, a lot of my experiences made me well qualified for it. And the by law, undersecretaries have to be selected through kind of a commission. It's sort of an interview process. So you apply, you get interviewed, you get selected, and then you get nominated by the president and the White House. So it was really a kind of different process than I imagine. You often imagine political appointees are what, friends of the president or huge donors, and I was neither, but I just was really passionate about veterans issues. And you have this moment at some point where you say, you can sit on the sideline, you can complain about people, or you can get involved. And that's what I did. I just decided I would try to get involved. And if I'm selected, I would try as hard as I can to make a difference for veterans. Well, a lot of people will say to veterans and to others who have served in various government roles, thank you for your service. Uh, I think in your case, uh, that should be doubly amplified. That's really <laughs> extraordinary to uh, because 
at least from my perspective, uh, just as a citizen out here, uh, the swamp is particularly swampy lately. And uh, for you to decide, I'm going to go in there and do some good, uh, whatever the, the external things might be like there in D.C., I know this is an important mission. And uh, so I salute you for, for taking that on, sir. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, I want listeners to buy your new book, Veterans Benefits for You, especially if they have loved ones who served. Uh, let's preview some of the valuable things that they can get out of this resource. Uh, in your experience, what is the greatest hurdle that veterans and families of veterans struggle with when they're needing to gain some of the benefits that they earned? So certainly what I learned, what I learned when I was in office was often veterans and their families don't know what all the benefits are. So first, one of the hurdles is lack of information, which is why I wrote the book. I wanted information about all the benefits available to them in one book. Right. Some had a few, some had one, but none of them had all. And the other thing was it needed to be explained in easy to understand language. You know, God bless it. We love lawyers, but they can write just the most convoluted stuff that nobody could understand. I wanted to make sure to say, hey, this is really can be straightforward. You can understand it. And here's how you would go about applying. So information, how to's, and even there's a whole appendix on who can give you help at no cost, right? If you can't do this yourself, you can get no cost assistance from a veteran service organization or even your state department of veterans affairs. So I really wanted to empower veterans and their families to have all the information to utilize the benefits they've earned. That's very good. Now, I know that our listeners have heard many times about numerous benefits for veterans, almost to the point that it's overwhelming uh, to try to keep track of. So I know that your your book consolidates this information and makes it a really uh, usable and valuable resource. What I want to do to dive into and tease a little bit of the content of this reference uh, is to ask you a series of a few questions as if you were speaking to folks at different stages in their lives. So for example, first, if you were counseling service members who were getting ready to separate or retire, what would you tell them to keep in mind after their service time is concluded? Certainly. Well, first, keep all your medical records because this is going to be invaluable when you go to access benefits. You'll have to demonstrate that you were, in fact, in the service. And you'll have to demonstrate if anything happened to you. So your personnel records, your medical records, keep all those because those will be valuable. Also understand that if something happened to you when you leave the service now as a young man or woman, you might not really feel it. But years from now, you this may come back and haunt you. Hearing is a good example, right? You think your hearing's fine, but if you've been around loud noises, your hearing may go. So keep that in mind as you get ready to leave in your you know hypothetical example, Clay. All right. Well, hypothetical number two, you're now counseling veterans who have been out for several years, but only now do they feel that they need this help, uh, just as you projected there uh, could be the case. Um, whether or not they kept all the things that they should have, here they are in this circumstance. They find that uh, they do need some of the assistance that's available. They know that they've earned it. Uh, how do you counsel them? 
Sure. Well, if you have a medical or health issue, it's never too late to come back and ask for assistance, okay? If you don't have all the documentation, VA has what's called a duty to assist. They will go help you find the information, but it might not be that hard to find. A lot of records are stored electronically. So, and again, it's never too late to come back. The other thing too is don't forget, we're talking about, you know, health-related benefits, right? I hurt myself, but don't forget, there's a whole series of other benefits you can be using too, right? Education, a GI Bill to improve your education, home loan guarantee to purchase a home, live in a great community, as well as other benefits. So I'd also be telling them, you know, don't forget about these all, the, all these other benefits because they can really impact your financial life and they can really make a big difference as you pursue your career goals. Outstanding. Now, finally, among the what if scenarios, uh, let's look at there's a spouse of a deceased veteran and she's or he is seeking your advice on securing benefits. What do you want these uh, people to know about their benefits? Yes, yeah, this is a really great scenario and it's, it can be really painful at times. Ideally, you wish the veteran had told the spouse that he or she was getting benefits from VA so the spouse knew, okay? And they knew if something happens to the veteran in my life, this is what I will need to do to access benefits for me because veterans under certain circumstances can have benefits for their spouses, okay? So if they've had that conversation, great. Unfortunately, many do not. So the spouse upon the death of his or her veteran wakes up grieving and now has to deal with the world's largest bureaucracy. It is a really difficult period of time. So I would tell them, get some help from a veteran service organization or a uh, State Department of Veterans Affairs. Be extra leery about someone who calls you up and wants to charge you money for your benefits. These are what are called as pension poachers. And they approach old people, elderly people, in the circumstances you're describing and say, if you give me a $1,000, I'll help you fill out the paperwork. And there are people who will do this at no cost. So be careful about that. That is an exceptional tidbit there. I hope uh, listeners paid attention if you know folks in this circumstance. Uh, solicitors who want to charge you for what is yours uh, for free because it's been earned. Uh, should not be trusted. So the, thank you for that. Uh, that's a, a great reminder. Well, we see, Paul Lawrence, uh, a lot of veterans struggling, even to the point of homelessness. And yeah. I know citizens grieve about that. Other than the mental health issues that often need to be addressed, like dealing with post-traumatic stress, what are some practical ways to prevent these dire struggles before they get truly desperate? Certainly. Well, there's a couple of things we should think about, right? One of the best ways to prevent homelessness is to make sure veterans transition from the military and go to work. A work gives purpose and meaning. You're part of a team like you were in the military. So we really want to get veterans employed and engaged in that way. So that would be the ideal situation. Okay. Or certainly if we think, hey, I have some physical or mental issues, get them help. Okay. So that's something we can do. One thing we can be on the uh, alert for is veterans who are going to go through this homeless journey often isolate. They are embarrassed by their story. They don't tell their friends or family. So we need to be aware of that and make sure we're checking in on them. And finally, anybody can do this. And I'll, and I'll say this telephone number a couple of times. If you see a, what looks like a veteran parking lot at a 7-Eleven, you know, the corner holding up a cardboard sign, 
you can always call the VA National uh, Homelessness Hotline at this number, 877-424-3838. Again, the Homeless Hotline for Veterans, 877-424-3838. If you report the location of where you see somebody, someone from VA will come to see if they are a veteran and if they can, in fact, get them some assistance, okay? So we can really do more than, you know, just ignore them at the stoplight. We can actually make this phone call and try to do that. Now, what's really important to think about, Clay, is there are lots of resources for veterans, homeless veterans at the VA. It's just a matter of getting it to them. So something like that phone call really can make a difference. That's excellent. Uh, there are resources, folks. And if you know of people or you experience uh, these things, um, isolation is the wrong answer. Uh, community is the right answer. And so we can be part of the community that helps these folks in need. Yeah, and let me just build on that clay real quick. Got one for it's also they don't have to be homeless to get help. You don't have to be they don't have to be homeless to call this number. Folks are on the cusp, and this can be even used for prevention. Hey, I've seen my buddy, he always struggled with money. He just lost his job. I have a real bad feel for this one. You can call, he can he or she can call too. Okay. So it's not just home, it's prevention as well. Outstanding. Well, problems are better solved before they get desperate, that's for sure. Exactly. Well, veterans feel a connection to active duty service members. Uh, we are often tuned in to the general level of morale. Uh, I speak as a veteran. I think that you also feel that, sir. Uh, and so I perceive uh, that morale is sadly waning generally over the past couple of years. Now, as a former leader in the United States Department of Veterans Affairs, Paul Lawrence, what do you see in this regard? And if morale is actually indeed waning, what do you prescribe as a remedy? Certainly. I don't have my pulse on morale maybe as closely as you do in the military, but what I am concerned about, which I think is related, right, is the military missing their recruiting numbers. I think that is something we should be concerned about, right? That young men and women aren't stepping up to volunteer to protect our way of life, okay? So that strikes me as worrisome. And I'm hoping people are figuring out what the problem is besides everybody's fat and out of shape. I mean, that's always a situation, right? But um, what I do know that what veterans can talk about though is the value of their military experience, right? And we have to be more outward and more effusive about it. How did it change your life? Tell others about it, because if not, the influencers out there do not like the military. They will not say good things about the military. They will gladly pull out the stories about veterans who are struggling. And I think we need to change the narrative that veterans are incredibly successful, that military experience is a good thing, not only for protecting our way of life, but in terms of what it sets for you going forward. So I would encourage all veterans to talk regularly about the positive value about their military experience. And to the extent there are young peoples in the life, you know, put that on the table for them to consider as they think about a path forward. Don't forget about, you know, enlisting in the military. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, the Air Force that I went into, they used to say it's a great way of life. It was. It was a great way of life. Um, and uh, they've had, I guess, the, the Army has had that, and they've had some slogans that I didn't think were all that great, like an Army of One. That didn't make a lot of yeah. sense to me, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Everybody has advertising struggles. But it is uh, vital uh, to the defense of this nation, and it is an honorable service. Um, 
Well, listeners, the book is Veterans Benefits for You by Paul Lawrence. Uh, we're speaking with Paul Lawrence now about this book, and you can buy it on Amazon and other resellers. Uh, it's a great gift idea for anybody in your life who is a veteran or has veterans in their family. Uh, Paul Lawrence, do you have a preferred seller that uh, you want to steer listeners to as they get copies of this book? Uh, probably Amazon. I think they, they do a good job of, you know, filling the orders and get it there quickly. Very good. Well, uh, if you will indulge a final completely unrelated topic, Paul, I want to ask you about something else on which you are a lifelong expert. Uh, since the 1980s, you have written about college athletics, including your book, Unsportsmanlike Conduct. And in that, you gave a history of the NCAA. Now, lately, there have been significant tectonic changes in college athletics, including issues like males obliterating Title IX protections, uh, the earning of money on name, image, and likeness, the, the chaos now of the transfer portal, and the move towards super conferences. The poor Pac-12 has basically just been eliminated. Now, if you were not Paul Lawrence, but Charlie Baker, the former Massachusetts governor and the current NCAA president, what would you be doing and what would you be saying to people who are interested in NCAA sports? Well, I think that we forget, and this is what I wrote in my dissertation, that essentially, you know, college sports is really a business. And every time you decide to do something that, you, you know, makes you act not like a business. So, for example, for, for a long time, college athletes were not compensated for their time, Right. What did that lead to? An, or, an industry where essentially you didn't pay for the employees and the coaches made much more money because you'd have to pay the employees, right? So now the name, image, and likeness is a way to get around that, though in my dissertation, I talked about directly paying the college athletes, okay? If you recall, up until about the 1980s, there was a very limited amount of uh, football on TV, was regulated by the NCAA, controlled one game a week, two games a week, or whatever it was, and now, of course, that was declared illegal and now you can have more TV. So I think if we have a if we have a better notion of like really this is a business and we should expect them to do business things like organize certain ways, like you know, be drawn to the money in college uh, college football and figure out how that goes. And when you impose that in on a, on a college, sometimes it just causes just you know abnormal activities, right? And the like. So I think that's what you're seeing is essentially business play its way out. Now, there are college sports like football and basketball that earn a lot of revenue, and there are other college sports that have to be subsidized by that revenue through the, the colleges because they don't draw as big an audience, and certainly not a televised audience. Um, when these super conferences have coast-to-coast -coast conference members starting next year, uh, the travel expenses are going to seem like uh, it's got to be exponentially growing. And I've heard uh, some experts suggest that some of the uh, other kinds of sports that don't get to fly on jets to go wherever they're going are going to spend their semesters on the bus. Uh, is that a concern? Or is there a way around that sort of thing? 
Well, so yes, it's a concern, but B, it's a concern by the colleges, right? So once they decide to join one of these super conferences, right? Um, so I, as you mentioned, I went to Virginia Tech, so they're in the ACC, right? So if they admit a school in the West Coast, it's in the ACC. Hopefully they have gone through the math you've just outlined and figured this out for themselves, that the additional television revenue from broadcasting football games will more than offset this. Right. That the students who are, you know, traveling, making long trips like that will somehow figure out how to study. So hopefully they figure this one out for themselves. So you're right. It's just a consequence. I'm thinking what we're realizing, though, is the huge amount of television dollars from college football. It now makes all this possible. And so I'm, I'm assuming that's the math we're seeing play out. If they will properly apply it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, listeners, we've been talking with Paul Lawrence, and uh, I'm encouraging you to get his new book, Veterans Benefits for You. Uh, Amazon is a great place to pick that up. It's great for veterans you know and for family members, loved ones of veterans. Uh, Also a reminder about the VA hotline, particularly related to the problem of homelessness, is 877-424-3838. Any final words, uh, Paul Lawrence, about the topic? Um, Sure. One of the last things we talked about was in your scenarios, uh, family members of veterans. So I would say veterans, if you're listening to this, you know, say you might say, hey, I'm fine. I don't need benefits. I'm healthy. I'm good. But don't forget, you're really thinking about not just yourself as you think about benefits, but also your family. Okay, so now move the aperture out a little bit and say, if something to happen to you, would you want your loved ones, your family members to also have some some effort of being taken care of? So think about benefits in terms of not just yourself, but also your family. Outstanding advice. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, Paul Lawrence. I'm thankful that you took the time uh, to speak with me on core principles. And God bless you. Thank you, Claire. Have a good day. Core Principles podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.